we're incredibly lucky to have Levi Roots with us. Um, I'm dying to do a proper introduction, but Chester's going to introduce him in a minute, so I'll just say he's an entrepreneur. He's a musician, as you can see, and I've just been chatting to him, and he's also, I can tell you, an inspiration. So I don't know if you're going to play something now, or later, or both. Um, sounds as though now. King of kings and lord of lords, conquering lion, he rules over us. Kibrela Hamlak, Emasigan, Elaya Bingiai, Congo Shanti. I give thanks and praise every breath I take. Bless me each morning with sunshine I wake. El Shaddai Galumawi, Quedo Sela Siai Nigos Nigas. I'd just quickly like to say something um, about Levi. Uh, when I originally asked him to come to UCL to talk, um, he replied to my email and said that uh, the invitation came as a great honour and that he would humbly accept our request. Um, I really think this is testimony to his, his vibrant character and I think that it's a big part of the reason that has led up to his you know, current success. So I hope you can all take something away from today's talk, uh, learn from Levi's experiences, and really just um, see how that can inspire you to try and maybe achieve something similar to what he has. Um, so without further ado, I'll pass you on to Levi Roots. Thank you very much. I'll give you that 20% a bit later. <laughs> well. Dragon Slaying. Can I put my hands up that those who actually have seen the clips of me and Dragon's Den? That's pretty much everybody. <laughs> but if there's are anybody that hasn't seen the clip of me and Dragon's Den, you're missing something, man. I was <laughs> fantastic on there. You can imagine somebody coming up on a stage on a financial show about business and enterprise with a guitar. Where you going with that? I mean, that's gonna be worth some kind of you know kudos or something. But that was me on the stage, on Dragon's Den, with a guitar and a song and a sauce called Reggae Reggae Sauce. I remember the first time when I decided to actually name the sauce. As you know, with branding, it's about giving the name, isn't it? Because when you go out and you buy something, you're always buying the brand, you're buying the name. So that was one of the first things for me was actually to start naming things. And the first thing that we had to name was the stall at the carnival. 
Because if you know my story, you know we started at Notting Hill Carnival. It was about 1991. And everyone's got their stall at the carnival, you know, selling jerk chicken and rice and peas and all kind of stuff. And I came up with the name for our stall. I call it the restaurant. <laughs> and that was the start of the whole sort of journey for us to do with reggae reggae sauces and all kind of things. The restaurant. Fast forward, you know, 15 years or so after doing that at the carnival every year. Came forward 2006. Again, the inspiration came for me to do the sauce now. I'm thinking that I've got to give it a name. So I've gone around to my friends that knew I've been doing it for a long time because, you know, you go to your friends to find out what they think about things when you're going to move on in business. And I said, look, cool, man. I've really got the sauce now. I think I'm going to name it now. I've got a name for this. I said, Levi, what are you going to call it? Are you going to call it like Levi Roots' grandmother at Scotch Bonnet Pepper Jamaican sauce? <laughs> I went to my Rasta friends, you know. Rastas are always great for inspiration. You go and you tell them things and they give you all kind of philosophies and things. I said, yes, Levi, man. You must call it King Selassie Rastafari ganja smoking sauce or something. <laughs> I rebuked them all. I said, I'm going to call it reggae reggae sauce. First of all, people couldn't even pronounce it. Some of the places that I used to go with exhibitions to do the sauce, they said, Levi, I could have some of your reggae reggae sauce, mate. <laughs> and of course, you know, finance. After getting the name right, getting the label right and everything, the next thing that I'm going to do is try and find some finance for the sauce. So the first thing that you're going to do is go to the what? The banks. Lord of mercy. Can you imagine me, Levi Roots, four foot long dreadlock from Brixton, walking into my local Barclays bank like with my Jamaican bop. Goes like this, you know the old Jamaican. <laughs> and telling the bank manager, excuse me, Mr. Bank Manager, my name is Levi Roots and I've got the most fabulous sauce. It's called reggae reggae sauce. <laughs> that was it. I didn't get any further than that. It was just that ear to do. I didn't even get around to tell them that I thought that my sauces can outsell Heinz tomato ketchup. I don't know what I would have got if I got that far. They probably called the ambulance or something like that. So, you know, going to the banks for finance was the most difficult thing. So I thought that, look, I'm going to hang on to my family here. So I started off by sticking with my family for my first financial, financial gain. I went to my mum, I borrowed. My kids all threw in and all that, and we started the business. We got the label up, and we, we, we put the name on, and we started to say, okay, I'm gonna go ahead and manufacture the sauce. So the next point of call for me now was to get myself a mentor. Because in business, you're gonna face that. Because I, I knew everything about music, because I've been doing it for 30 years. Now we can't tell me anything about music. I've hung around with some really cool guys, people like Bob Marley. Yeah. <laughs> Maxi Priest, yeah. James Brown, yeah. you know what I mean? So you cannot tell me anything about music. But when it comes to business now, I didn't know F all about business. So I went to get myself a mentor. Her name was Nadia, Nadia Jones. And Nadia said to me, Levi, you know, one of the things you're going to have to do, you're going to have to do some of this, which I wasn't very good at doing. Because you've got to remember, I was Levi Roots, you know, the reggae star, man. I was traveling all over the world and doing my thing, and everybody was listening to me. On the stage, it was me, me, me. 
talking, talking, telling everybody what to do, left, right, and center. Nadia said, Levi, you're going to do some of this. And for the first time <coughs> in my life, I'm thinking that, man, here I am now. I'm going to put my whole business life in the hands of this woman to tell me wherever I'm going to go with it. But that's what mentoring is. You've got to trust somebody. But the good thing about the fact that Nadia was, I knew that Nadia had done business before. So, I mean, I wasn't listening to somebody that hadn't been there and done it and whatever. I knew that she'd been somebody that's like been in business all her life and seen it, done it. And now she was helping other people to get on the ladder. So she said, Levi, you're going to get yourself out there and do as much exhibitions as you can with the sauce. Them exhibitions was costing me something like £2,000 to get in. And I was making like £200 out of it. Selling a sauce for £1.49. And every time I went to Nadia, she says, Levi, man, don't worry about it. Get yourself off to the next exhibition. I didn't know why she was telling me to do that. Till eventually, one day she called me in to the office in Brixton. She says, Levi, I've got an exhibition for you. I says, Lord of mercy, Nadia. Don't tell me it's another £2,000 thing again. I just haven't got it. She says, yeah, you're going to get yourself off to the World Food Market over in the Excel Center in East London. There's an exhibition there called the World Food Market. Get yourself off there. So I'm thinking, oh, Lord, man, I'm going to get this £2,000 together to get this stall. I'm going to get my kids together so we can go down there and do all kind of stuff. And we're going to make only £200 out of it. <coughs> so anyway, I got the money together. Off I went. World Food Market, Excel Center, East London. There I was pitched up with my guitar, place ram out, everybody like really quiet because in those exhibitions you know people like are really like tasting their sauce with their little pinkies out. <laughs> it's like really quiet. But on that day over in my corner, I had a ghetto blaster like blasting out some Bob Marley in the place boy. It was a place like moving and I was like, it's so nice I had to name it twice. I call it reggae reggae. Uh. <laughs> Exactly. So there I was, this, this woman, she come over to me and she says, Levi, you're really fabulous. We really think that this is the most brilliant marketing we've ever seen. We would like you to be on our show called Dragon's Den. And I was like, what a regular reggae is Dragon's Den? Get out of here. What this Dragon's Den thing? Because not knowing ever seen Dragon's Den, I'm thinking this lady is trying to persuade me to go on one of these shows like I'm a celebrity to get me out of here. <laughs> And the last time I'd seen I'm a celebrity get me out of there was this guy was nibbling on kangaroo testicles. <laughs> and I'm thinking that, no, no, not me. So she says, oh, please leave her, man. This show, Dragons Den, it's a really cool show. You'll be really fine. If you can sing your song on this show, it'll be brilliant. So I said, all right, give us the card. Took the card and I put it in my pocket. And I forgot about her. I went home, emptied out my cards and my daughter Charlene saw this blue BBC card and she picked it up. She says, Dad, Dragon's Den, Dragon's Den, Dragon's Den. And whatever, Dad, don't do Dragon's Den. Because she, my kids all said that no Rasta man that looks like me from Brixton is not going to go on BBC and be no Dragon Slayer. But you know what I thought? <laughs> yes, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it and prove them wrong. So you saw me coming up the stairs on Dragon's Den with my USP. <coughs> it's gonna be the most fantastic USPs ever. I don't think it will ever be beaten. USP, everybody? Unique selling point. <laughs> <laughs> Unique selling point. 
I think that if I join a dragons and I named it Levi Roots's grandmother as Scotch bonnet pepper sauce or call it Rastafari ganja smoking sauce or something like that, <laughs> it just wouldn't be the same. It was because I came up with my unique selling point. I merged music and food together. You remember Richard Farley, the first dragon on my on, on my left when I came up the stairs and I was singing like he was doing a little, like a little white man's jig on this. It was that little like a. <laughs> and I'm thinking that like, yeah, at least I've got him in the bag. And then, of course, Peter Jones, the most fantastic, now one of my heroes, is coming and invested in the sauce. Now, where is Reggae Reggae Sauce? Reggae Reggae Sauce, we've sold over 9 million bottles of just the one sauce. And we have eight different sauce. We have a multi-million pounds deal with Subway. I don't know if you've tried my fantastic Subway thing that's going on. We have Bird's Eye. And, of course, most fantastic and fabulous of all, this year, I had my own BBC cooking show. Who saw that? Brilliant. That's the most fantastic thing that's ever happened to Caribbean food for a long time. Because it's not just about me, it's about Caribbean food. This is what I'm hoping to bring forward to the masses. It's about that. And the whole thing about how the Levi Roots get there, three things I did. Yeah. First part was about the idea. Without that, they ain't going nowhere. So you better have a plan of some sort. You know, the plan is the most important thing of all. Doesn't matter about the rest that I'm going to tell you about, the other two parts, which they're very important, but the plan is, you've got to have the plan. And the plan has to have that USP thing that we spoke about, because it can't be ordinary. You know, I, when, you, when you're telling me about your idea, it's going to be something that I can think to make money of. Instantly, when I came up the stairs and I was singing the song, Peter Jones, as the wise man as how he, as how he is, didn't see the sauce. He never, he didn't, that's not what he saw. He saw the man coming up the stairs with the guitar singing the praises about the sauce. That's what he saw. So it's the USP. So that's the first thing, the idea. And the second thing that I say is, is perhaps the most second most important is being able to plan for that long term. It, it's the whole planning thing around that on a long term basis. Because I know a lot, of, a lot of businesses start, we don't have any problems with people starting up business. We don't have any problem with students or young people leaving um, institutions and setting up business. There's lots of that going on. But the key thing is, what is those that stay the long term. There's a very short percentage of those that, that stay. So it's really about the, the planning of the long term with the plan. And third and most important is the passion thing. That, again, you know, go look in your eyes and feel it. You know, if you remember, you know, Theopophetes was the guy that rumbled the name when he says that Levi Roots, what a wonderful name in your Oswald Bowtang and all that kind of stuff. Is that your real name? And I said, no, it's not really, it's Keith Graham. <laughs> but it was the passion that Theo and the rest of the dragons saw <coughs> why they invested. It wasn't about the fact that I was making mistakes to do with my figures, because I did say that I could um, sell millions and millions and gallons of sauce, which I have done. <laughs> which I had the, so I had the passion, the passion and the vision. But it was the passion that they saw that I could come up on BBC show and literally sing the praises of my sauce that I'd been selling for 15 years, that had been passed down from my grandmother, <coughs> and with everything to do with my family. I really believed that my sauce could outsell Heinz tomato ketchup. And I wasn't, was not afraid to say it on national TV and tell anybody, because I truly believe that. And guess what happened, man? 18 months later, we outsold Heinz Tomato Ketchup. We're now the second biggest selling condiment in the country. 
and we have nine different flavors of it. So that's all you go with it. There isn't any magic. You don't have to be born to be an entrepreneur. You don't have to come from a background of anything like that. You don't have to be um, born with a silver spoon that makes you say that, oh, I have the right to make money or I have the right to go into, into business and be enterprising. None of that. It's all about the learning. You can learn to do that because I'm living proof of that. Definitely living proof. Thank you very much. Respect you. and then throw it open because I can tell everybody wants to ask you loads of things. My first question is about passion. Yeah. You've clearly got this passion. You've got a passion for life, I can tell that. If it hadn't been sourced, would it have been something else? Or was there something really about source that made you passionate? Well, the something else was always music because I, I'd done music for 30 years. That was my whole life, you know, ever since I left school. I, I just thought that wherever my life is going to lead me is going to be around entertainment in some ways. <laughs> Because even my children are, are musically um, educated. Um, my, my grandmother was a, a singer in Jamaica in the Baptist church. My grandfather also. My mother is a choir leader in her church. So music was always surrounding the family. So I never thought of doing anything else. But you know, sometimes you get stuck in a comfort zone. And I think that's what happened, what happened to me. I, I was in this comfort zone of music, but not seeing the music as the business side of it. Mm -hmm. Always just seeing it more of the entertainment side. So now I, I say to kids that when they come to me and they say that, you know, I want to be involved in the music business, I want to be a rapper or a singer or whatever, I said, look, you don't think about the business side of it as well as the entertainment side. So I don't know, on my desert island trip, I don't know it's, whether it's the bottle of sauce or the guitar, it would have to be the guitar, I would say. Yeah, yeah. I'd leave the sauce behind. Would you not made a business out of the music? If you're more passionate about the music, is there not, if you're deprived this much passion? Well, what I was saying before is that I didn't see it as a business side of it because, uh, but you know... could you have seen it as a business? I, absolutely, I, I could have, but I think maybe, you know, everything happens at the right time, I think. And, and I just really was enjoying being on stage, performing and writing songs. I didn't think to set up a record company so that I can actually make money yeah. from that and, and actually look at it as more of a wider business and, and write songs for other people because knowing that actually writing songs makes more money than actually the performing of it. And you know, maybe I should have even been writing songs more for other people to sing, and I, w I would have actually made more of a business of it. But it's only now that I can see that. But um, like I said, you know, everything happens at the right time, because I, I really believe the source just came for me to merge the music and the food <coughs> together. And I think that is the secret of it. If I, like I said, if I called it anything other than regular regular sauce, it wouldn't have had the same impact as it was. So my experience. I like the gangster smoking. Sauce. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. How about this, you know, you talk about walking into your bank yeah. and then pretty much throwing you out. Has it helped you being not your classic grey businessman in the pinstripe suit or has it hindered you if you take all the experiences together? Well, you're always going to get endurance in life, you know, especially if you come from the background that, that I'm from. You expect that. And, and I always say that people from my background have to work twice as hard because you know there's a barrier going to come up straight away. But, that shouldn't deter you because, you know, I still kept going back to the bands. And, and if I went to Barclays and they showed me that attitude, I would go to NatWest and I would just move on. And of course, nowadays, when I walk into my local bank in Brixton, they, they, it's a cup of tea, Mr. Levi, you would say. <laughs> You're like a chaser. Um, a few weeks ago, and one of the funniest things is that a few, well, about a month ago, I was given the keys to my local Brixton. 
um, by the mayor came around and, and gave me the keys. And I'm thinking that they have got the keys to my Brixton. And well, the next morning, I, first place I'm visiting is the banks with it. See if it works <laughs> in the bank. But it just, it just shows you where I'm coming from. If you can remain focused, things like that can really happen. You talk about a mentor, and where did you find her? She seems to be really important to you. She was. I, I really put her up there as, as a Nadia Jones, her name is, as one of the, you know, the main sort of pieces that gelled my life, life together. I found her, I actually went onto the internet to find out places that can actually give fundings. Because, like I said, when I named the source, the next thing was to try to get money to, to move it on. And I looked everywhere where I could get, you know, a few loans from and so on and so forth. And I, I found this um, company called Greater London Enterprise. It, it was actually set up by Mayor Livingston when he was, when he was in charge. And um, it was one of these places that you could go and get like a £1,000 loan or £10,000, depending on what you want. But part of that is that you have to get a mentor to go with that. You would not get the loan if you don't get somebody to sort of guide you with, with it. And thank God I met this wonderful lady, Nadia, and the rest is history. She just completely changed my whole, my whole way of, of looking at myself. Because I've, I'm used to, you know, giving the orders so much. Uh, when this sort of short lady came into my life and just started barking orders <laughs> at me, <laughs> telling me what to do, because she really believed that it was going to be about Levi Roots and not about the sauce as per se. She, she knew that my personality and the way I was, you know, singing the song with the sauce was going to be a big thing. So when she was saying to me, go to these exhibitions, I just couldn't work out why she was telling me because I kept telling her that, Nadia, I'm losing money. <laughs> you know, £2,000 sorted out and still only making £200 as a return. But it was a good thing I was just really still listening to her and I really hang on to every words that she said until finally she, you know, it came true that I was at this exhibition that she sent me to. And if, if, you know, if I fob it off like I would have, I wouldn't be here now. Would you have kept going a lot longer? If that hadn't worked out, that exhibition, how much more perseverance did you have in you? I had it all. Did you? You I could have kept all. going? Absolutely. I, I really believe that it would have got there. Based on the fact that for 15 years I've been doing the carnival. I think if you've been doing something for that long, for 15 years, and you remember Notting Hill is, is massive. It's like you know millions of people in one place over two days every year. And there I was for so long, and, and, and nearly everybody that visited my store were saying that it's a good sauce, Levi, you should do it in a business. So I had all that experience be behind me, and, and that made me really believe that one day it would happen. And, but the TVs just actually made it happen overnight. So you reckon you would have got as far without having I believe that, yes. Really? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. okay. But people wouldn't have seen your personality. Not that many people, would they? It put you onto the stage immediately. <coughs> well, I don't think that was the focus at the time. The focus for me was to believe in what I had. Okay. Um, I, didn't okay. See, I, I didn't see that it was going to be about me, obviously, because I've always been silly old Levi. You know, and that's how I've always seen myself. I, I didn't see me as a, as a package that mm -hmm. I could actually sell that. The only time that I would, I would think of that is when I'm on stage with my music, but that wasn't enough. Um, I didn't see myself doing this kind of stuff that I'm doing, which now is like the biggest part of my life. Um, and, I, and I think that was what Nadia saw and thought that, you know, this is what we've got to package together and sell that as the brand. Because the brand is not Reggae Reggae Sauce. The brand is Levi Roots. Mm. Reggae Reggae Sauce is just one of, of, of eight different flavors of the sauces. So could that brand go to all sorts of other products? Can we have reggae, reggae, mortgages? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that, but that's good. Well, yeah, I think the, the brand is that there will become a time when the brand will actually sort of morph itself into wherever it wants to go. 
where the people will want it. But I think right now the focus is really to build a strong brand around Caribbean food because that is the focus for me at the moment. And, um, and trying to help Caribbean cuisine. Because mm -hmm. um, I think the, pro the TV program has done fantastic for Caribbean cuisine, which hasn't been on TV for a very, very long time. And I think now everybody's like buying Caribbean food, so that's what I'd like to work on, is how to actually build the cuisine. And if I can be the market leader in that, then it's fun, it'll be fantastic for us. One thing that scares me a bit about this is you, it's, you could have gone from being from your music, from a one-man, horrible way of putting it, but from, one, from a one-man band yes. to a one-man brand. What happens when you lose this tremendous energy? You've got all your seven kids, but will it live beyond the brand, live beyond you? Because it's all about you, as you say. Yeah, I really think so, because I think when people are buying into, when people buy the sauce or when they use it, it's a different usage than if you was to hope for how you go and buy a bottle of Heinz tomato ketchup, for instance. You do that without even yeah. thinking. Well, I think when people go into a shop and, and buy a bottle of curry reggae sauce, it, that, that moment is there, even when you pick it up, when you see it, whatever. And I, I'm hoping that that will continue, because that is its natural way that it is. When it started to sell, my sauce was selling in record shops. You know, It was outselling like records in my local shop, my record shops in Brixton. It was amazing that it just actually took on an identity different than a food, than a food type. And I think people will always see it like that. It will always have that sort of um, its own personality as, as a food type to me. So yeah, and long may continue. Fantastic. All right, let's throw it open. Who's got questions for Lena? Yeah. Thanks for the talk. You seem to have everything. You've done music. Now you've conquered business. Uh, you must be worth loads. Um, what's next for you? What's your next goal? And how do you motivate yourself towards that? Well, you know, there's always that saying that is, is what what do you do after, you know, what do you put back, you know, and I think that's my main focus, you know, is how I can actually put something back and, and help people like yourself. Um, I think that's why I, I do so many of, of these events, it's just really trying to give my time back for the moment, which I think is the most important thing that I can do. A lot of um, celebrities out there don't have the time to spend, you know, <coughs> who see them as inspirational. And I think that's very important. So, you know, I'm looking for a, a long future in, in, in connection with young people and trying to say that, well, if my story can help to, you know, to inspire somebody else, then it needs to be done, <coughs> especially for people from my similar background. I think we need to see more people like myself up front, not just people kicking a ball or running fast. I think we've had a lot of that in, 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 in from my background. I think we need to see more people like myself. And funny enough, I was at the Prime Minister invited me to number 10 a few weeks ago. And um, as part of what, uh, one of the most 100 most influential black people in the country. And it was great that I was there as one of them. But one of the things that struck me is that I didn't know any of the others that were there. And I think that it's really important that, you know, we come out of the woodwork and we represent that. And I can only do my part by doing as, as much as this as possible. I was saying that sometimes I'm doing like two, three events a day, and it's all to do with like schools, colleges, universities, and, and talks. Yeah. Um, can we just shotgun to the bottles on the table? <laughs> Is that a question? Yes. <laughs> Is that a yes? <laughs> I'll try to save one. <laughs> yeah, go. Your business, uh, I mean, 
it started out, for example, in your kitchen, as yeah. they say, and it was a business which started with family, and it was a very, very, it was a very small, almost um, um, hobby, and it started out. But now that that it's turned into a commercial enterprise, do you feel that it's lost some of that magic that you started out with? As yeah, that's a very good question. As 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 the, as it lost some of the magic because of commercialization. No, I, I don't think so. I, I think because of the the way people have taken to it. You know, it's it's really different than any other food type out there or, or any businesses, as, as for that matter. Um, so I think it can only grow and grow. The, the only thing is, is that um, you know the homemade version that I that I did make in my kitchen as at one time the BBC came in and I had to show the pot that I used to make it. That uh, we made 65 bottles every time we made it in my kitchen, and then we had to hop kale to 150,000 bottles. And, and I always say that is the only thing is just the hop scale of it is that you know if you was to come to my restaurant in Battersea, then you would actually taste the original one because we still do it. And that's like blow your head off time. That <laughs> so the only difference is that we've had to tone it down to make it more accessible to every to everyone. But I don't think it's lost any of its original appeal because people are seen as like it's an iconic taste, an iconic brand. People feel people want to be associated with the, the whole regular regular sauce phenomenon. Mm. You said people want to. Do you have a specific sort of target customer or? Is it pretty much people from all backgrounds? It's all backgrounds. And when I say I do schools and colleges, I mean primary school is one of my, my biggest um, you know, fans as well that, that like to invite me around. So it's kids as small as primary kids up to grandmothers who, who have um, remember Caribbean food that they've had you know, 20 years ago, but have never seen Caribbean food on TV because the last person that was on TV that was a genuine Caribbean person that was bigging up Caribbean food was a lady called Rusty Lee. And she's like dinosaur age. <laughs> so that's how long Caribbean food hasn't been on TV. So I think the demographics of people that are into um, Caribbean food as well as Levi, which is already a sauce, is, is right across the whole world. Okay. Yes, yes, you seem to really like your sauce, you know. I mean, I've, I haven't had any because I'm an interested what? student. <laughs> 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 to be honest, you know, yeah, it's all word of mouth about you. I haven't really heard any of your music or anything because you know, I'm not from this place. If you have such a great sauce and it's outsold tomato ketchup, hand tomato ketchup, why not pursue it like internationally? Or is it already international? No, it's, it's not international yet, and that's a very good point. But again, you know, we're talking about how do we structure things, you know. <coughs> My first thing is to try to build a strong brand here in this country and not to be greedy. I mean, people from my background especially, we have that about us that we like to run off the things very quickly and try to get the riches. Like people would say, if America is there, man, 52 states, get the sauce over there now. <laughs> but you know, for me, that's not the path that I want to travel, you know. I think it's a, it's a British brand at the moment. I think we've done fantastic by selling nine million bottles of reggae reggae sauce. It's one of the biggest companies out there in this country. So for me, it's just building the brand here first before we, we move on with it. There's a very old Jamaican saying, I don't think you're going to understand me here, because it's like, dance a yard before you dance abroad. <laughs> Meaning that you're going to build yourself at home first. Once you build yourself a strong fortress, then you can venture out, knowing that you know, if things fail for you there, then you can always come back where you, you control your own destiny. So I think Reggae Reggae Sauce, as fantastic as it is, people got to remember, it's still only two years. 
It was just only 2007, February, that I was in Dragon's Den. And the sauce was available in a couple of months after that. So it's not long enough for me to be even thinking about going to America and conquering Europe with it and all this, this sort of stuff. It's really about still building a strong brand here. So when you do go into St. Bizarre Tesco, not even you won't be able to refuse it yet. And why haven't you had the sauce yet, sir? <laughs> Um, I can tell that your music is very influential on your business. And do you think your business will be where it is now without the music? Or? Absolutely not. It, without the music, it, it, it would never be the same. That, that was my part of my USP, is merging the music and the food together. I, I, you know, when the inspiration came for me to do the sauce finally, when I, when I really had to perhaps do one of the biggest moves of my life, was to say I'm going to put the music down for a bit. Uh, not completely for a bit, but move it to one side to concentrate on the source. That was the biggest move for me. But I, I think when I, when I thought of, well, let, let's put them together and write the song, give it the title of Reggae Reggae Sauce, and really give it that, that horror of it having a life of its own um, with the story behind it of my grandmother um, involved in it, that the source was her original idea. I think that really made it come alive as well with the music. So I don't think that separation there would have done it any good. Like for instance, the, the, the name I think, even though people didn't think the name was cool at first, now it slips off the tongue like it's always been there. And, and even those people that, that wouldn't have anything to do with reggae in their houses in places like what they call Middle England and places like that. You know, you have reggae, reggae sauce there. People send me pictures of, of where they see my sauce in some, like, some weird places. I'm still open to get one from Buckingham Palace. <laughs> See the Queen I lap up the regulars. <laughs> yeah, so the back, sorry, I'm uh, just wondering how did you go from uh, making I'm guessing the recipe is yours, so how did you go from making your the product at home in your big uh, boiling stuff and finding an actual company that would help you make 150? Now that, that was a key thing for me because what happened for me was that Peter Jones said on TV that he knows somebody in the market that could help me. That was a key thing for me when he said that on TV. Because as you know with Dragons then, people will go with which of the dragons they think will help their business more likely. And, and I know I'm saying good things about Peter because obviously he's my mentor, but the others are very good as well because if you have a product to do with things like stationery and that, then you would head for somebody like Theo Profitis who runs Ryman's and things like that. If you have like holiday stuff, you would go for like Deborah because she's from that background and so on and so forth. But you know, I knew that Peter could help me in that respect when he said that he's got somebody that he wants to introduce me to and that person was no other than Justin King. And when Justin said to me, Levi, I want 150,000 bottles of reggae, reggae sauce, there and then. I was still making that in my kitchen at the time. So I was thinking that, how the heck am I going to make 150,000 bottles? I'm going to have to go home and tell the kids that, get the whip out, kids. Like, <laughs> But the first thing that we had to do is actually get a factory. And my lawyer actually said to me, Levi, I'm going to show you a way to make money without doing much. It's called licensing. So we don't have a factory that I go to every day and that I, you know, I'm churning sauces and like pepper all over the place. It's not about that. What we've done, we've given the license to a company called Association of British Royal Foods. 
and they are the second biggest sort of food manufacturer distributor in the country. And they have the license for Roots Ready Reggae Sauce. So what we do is give them the license right to, um, to do the sauce, and then we just take a percentage of that. And they have the license to extend it to whatever, you know, that I think that I would like the sauce to go into. For instance, the next thing for me is thinking about ready meals. Because obviously if I'm trying to, with a TV show, I'm trying to big up Caribbean food. People want Caribbean food to eat. So the next move is to actually go into the ready meals market. So I'll just extend the license to AB World Foods for them to do a ready meals. And if it's outside of something outside that they can do, then I still issue it. For instance, like the um, Subway. Subway came to me and they said, Levi, we, our, our customers would like association with your brand. So we worked together with Subway to come up with the Subway regular regular chicken burger and we extend the license to them. So that's what it's about. It's about the licensing deal for me. It's not about having factories <coughs> there and that, man. I, I want to relax with a nice rum punch instead of like turning over some sauce. Done with that. <laughs> yeah. Hi, congratulations, Mr. Roots. I also come from the Caribbean, and, and it's always been <clears throat> something that I don't see Caribbean food unless you go in a sort of very niche place to find it. So I'm really, really pleased to see that you're bringing this wonderful cuisine you know, to, the, to, to Britain and to Europe. I was just wondering, uh, do you have any links of selling your product back to the Caribbean? And then having uh, partners in the Caribbean as you extend, you know, maybe from beyond Jama specialized Jamaican cuisine, but, you know, hey, I come from Trinidad, you know, some other flavors of the Caribbean that you can bring across here. Well, absolutely. I think that is the long-term aim for me. Um, the, the Caribbean is definitely is, is taking the sauce back to the source. Yes. <laughs> you see what I mean? And ultimately, that, that's, that's the aim for me, is to try to even go back to Jamaica and do even a factory there, using Jamaican product, products to, to actually do the, do the sauce. But again, it's, it's a long term, because it's still a UK sauce, and I, I will never let that go, because I say it's Jamaican via Nottingham, Nottingham Carnival. <laughs> That's the journey of the sauce. So it's still really to, to do it here and then to extend the brand out. Because like I said, next year we're looking to do the American thing. And, and hopefully once we get there with it, then it will trickle into the West Indies and it will take care of that bit. And of course, Richard Farley, with my, my other partner, is one of the richest men in Australia. So, and there they love a nice barbie. <laughs> so the sauce will do well there. So again, when we're ready to extend the license there to do with it, there will be no problems with that. But it's all about just really taking things slow. And in business, you've got to do that. You've got to be really diligent in business. You, know, you cannot rush it. The ideas will come fast. But when, once you're there and people want to connect themselves with you, you've got to be really diligent. Because now we're at the top of the chain. Most companies will want to attach themselves with Roots Reggae Reggae. For instance, I get a lot of people sending me proposals to do with pork. Because pork is very cheap, so they send me things like, you know, that like, you can make a million here, a few millions here, and have the first pork rib. But it's not about that, because the, the integrity of a Rastaman doesn't allow me to do that. So, <laughs> so even though the money would be nice, I mean, I don't mind people buying the sauce and go put it on as much pork as you want. <laughs> but you will never see a Levi Roots regular regular pork rib. It doesn't matter what it is. So I think it's the integrity of the brand is most important. And try and build it here. And then and only then we'll move on with it to places like the Caribbean and so on and so forth. That's a good question. What restrictions have you set yourself for this integrity of the brand? What else would you not do? 
Well, there, there isn't much really as, as to say with connections to do with things, but it's also to do with myself, I think, because as Levi Rose, I represent the brand. So you, you won't see me like, um, you know, like tumbling out of some nightclub in the Western at the morning, like, like <laughs> halfway down. Well, never know. <laughs> but it's things like that, I think, it's because the brand is about that. You yeah. know? So as long as I think, I, you know, I remain as, as how you already know me, you know, I don't change drastically into being something that, that I'm not. I, I don't think we're in any danger of, um, of doing any sort of damage to the brand, from our point of view. Yeah. Um, have you noticed any new competition coming up since you became successful? And if you're allowed to say, what sort of strategies do you have for keeping yourself on top? That's a very good question, yeah. I, I think it's, it's great that now companies are coming out there doing Caribbean food. And it's great that, you know, like, people can think that they can um, get into business because they've seen Levi do it, and you don't really have to conform to the thing is that, you know, you have to have X amount of silver spoon in your mouth, or you're going to come from X amount of area, or you're going to be born this or have this parent to give you a load of money. It's not about that, you know, it's all about the focus ahead. And uh, my plan is to keep myself intact. It's just, you know, buy a lot of cool Oswald Bortan suits like this one. <laughs> You know, I, for me, it's, it's just about enjoying my job. It's just like enjoying what I do, enjoying the hard work, you know, what comes from the hard work that, that you know, that I, I do for myself and my company. And just enjoying that, that, that's what keeps me going and that's what will keep my integrity intact as, as long as, you know, I can still enjoy what I'm doing. Um, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll, always, I'll always represent the brand and, and hopefully the brand will stand on its own that even when I'm relaxing somewhere, people will still be wanting to attach themselves to the Levi Roots brand. Yes? So, sorry, is there anything you can protect um, you know, with, with the sources? Do you have any patents? Is there anything you can protect yeah. at all? Yeah, that's one of the first things you have to have when you go into Dragon. I mean, even though I make a lot of jokes about I didn't have a business plan when I went to Dragon's Den, that's not really the case. That, that's a joke. Because before you get into Dragon's Den, you've got to have a top-class business plan. It's going to be fact. And they won't let you in otherwise than that. So, and you're going to have all your patents and all your, you know, all your certificates and everything to do with hygiene and, and all that kind of stuff. So we did that before we, we got in there. But what I wanted to do on Dragon's End was not to represent that. You know, I wanted to, to go in as me. So I didn't want to sort of rely on the fact that I'd done a business plan and I'd done I don't think that would have helped me. Because I remember the day when I was in there in the room, there's quite a few guys in there that was going up to see the dragons today, and, and I've got to tell you, I was the only black guy in, in, in the thing. And I was thinking that, boy, am I like the, the hors d'oeuvres for the dragons and things like that? Probably the afters. I'm telling they're going to really enjoy me. But I, I just really, really was passionate about that. You know, I couldn't, I didn't care who they were. You know, I didn't know them. I didn't look up dragons then. I didn't look to see how nasty Peter could be. Never seen the program. Didn't even see any clips of dragons then. I just thought I'm going in in that situation that you call eyes wide shut, when you don't know there's a clear and present danger in there. And I must be the only person that's gone on Dragon's Den that's never seen the show. I didn't even want my kids to tell me anything about it, because I just thought that I'm going to go in as me, whether they like it or not. I'm not pitching to the Dragons. I'm pitching to the five million people that watches Dragon's Den, so that if the Dragons didn't like me, at least my sauce, reggae reggae sauce, would have, would have, you know, would have had the hearing as it, as it, as it did. Uh, so that was my plan at the time. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
Yes. You talk about the passion that you had for your business and how integral that is to to your success. Do you not, in some way, you resent what capitalists for the fact that they've chucked cash at you and now they own part of your business? Whereas no, not at all. Not at all. I think that it's payback time for us, especially for people like myself. It's payback. <laughs> you know, um, we're in the wings, been waiting, you know, for, for, for this kind of attention and help for a very long time. Like I said earlier, there is no shortage of people like myself setting up business. As a matter of fact, there is too much of that. But it's the help that you get to, to sustain that. Now, when Peter Jones and Richard Farley invested in me, it was waiting to happen. You know, I really don't think it's an accident. I think things that, you know, people talk, you know, Tiger Woods wasn't an accident to get, to get there and then done well. You know, it wasn't the fact that people were throwing a golf ball at him. He worked hard and, and he got there. And, you know, Barack Obama, it wasn't an accident as well. He was the right candidate for the job. And I went into Dragons and with my idea, as cool as it seems, it was regular reggae sauce. But it's the right thing because now it's the market leader. So, yeah, I want these capitalists to be throwing more money at, at you know, black and ethnic businesses just to help them to be, you know, the next reggae reggae sauce and to churn out much more Levi Roots because there's a whole heap of us in the wings waiting to get out on the business ladder. Levi, do you think you gave them too much of a share? I mean, I looked it up and it was 40% they got, didn't they, for yeah. 50,000 quid, which sounds cheap now. It sounds cheap now, and, I, and before I answer that, I've got to say, I have broke my shares back from Richard Farley. Oh, okay. <laughs> I have broke my shares back. Because that was one of the points in, in my contract that my lawyer, the fantastic Victor Howell, had said to me is that, have the first option there to buy the, the shares back. So as soon as I spotted that Richard wanted out, and, and Richard wanted out at a good point because he's a businessman. He paid 25000 for 20%. And 18 months later, I paid Richard 200000 for my 20% back. So what's that, like 10 times? Is that right? 10 times the amount of what he paid for it? That's, that's a fantastic return. And he himself would tell you that's one of his best investment ever. To the short space of time that he's invested 25000 which is like a, a lunch date to somebody like Richard <laughs> really. And um, he paid that, that money back from it, you know, but... Um, so why did he want to come up? Well, because he does that. Richard is not as passionate like Peter. Right. Peter was more interested in me as the person to try to build me as the man. Whereas Richard is just an investor. Okay. That's what he does. Richard will invest, he'll make a profit, and he'll just move on to the next conquest. But Peter is the dragon that, and dragons, and I think that when he involves himself with, with other people, Peter will be there for you and more take care of you and, and sort of help you through the business. And I think that's, that's why I invested in me, because you said you, know, you could do that with me. So do you regret the 40% for 50,000 now? Could you not argue harder? Absolutely not at all. And I think I said the right thing just after I came down the stairs from Dragons Den and Evan Davis was <coughs> interviewing me. I said that you've got to give thanks for the little that you get. Because at the time, it did seem like it's a lot, but like I said now, my company is on its way to be worth it nearly 18 million pounds. And that's just like 2007. So, you know, for 20%, for which is all that Peter has now, because I brought back my 20 from Richard. So it's like, I'm in a real cool place at the moment. <laughs> Richard didn't see the fact that we were going to actually have a TV show. Because I think that if he had hindsight, that he would have seen that Peter did that, you know, this guy Levi, which is going to get you know, he's going to go places. I don't think he would have bailed out at that point. Because when the TV show came, 
the whole thing about reggae reggae sauce actually became doubled because I'm on prime time TV. We, we draw the second biggest audience behind, behind Coronation Street for that slot. And, and my book that goes with it is number two selling books just behind Jamie Oliver. And you can't outsell Jamie Oliver, so I'm number one. <laughs> <laughs> so, and it's, it's, it's really been fantastic. Yes. Uh, your background, obviously, Notting Hill. Um, the source is now very successful. What's your future sort of connections with Notting Hill in the next couple of years? Well, I'm going to actually take over the carnival. Yeah, and make it be the Levi Roof Reggae Reggae Notting Hill Carnival. But, you know, words, you know, I really feel passionate about that. That's, that's where I started. And if I can do something to help, then I'm up for that. Um, I find a lot of things wrong with the carnival committee. Um, obviously, because, you know, I've been involved as just a normal stallholder, which, you know, shall, it's like a backbencher in, in, the, you know, in the House of Commons where the real work gets to it, is that we shout for things, you know, saying that we want electricity for every stall and things like that, and it's not forthcoming. So, you know, if I can get on the board and actually do something for Nottingham Carnival, I'd work more harder for the stallholders because the food is really the main part of Carnival. That's what most people come for. They come to see the floats, yeah. But once they see the floats, you know, they like to relax and actually enjoy the cuisine that, that comes with Carnival. So I've been there fighting for stallholders to have more of a part. And actually to make Carnival more longer lasting, make it more artified. That it's not just about the food and the dancing, you know. Let the people actually come and feel like a sense of self of worth. Go away with something with a momentum that they like actually feel a part of Carnival, which is not happening at the moment. So yeah, I, I think that maybe if the opportunity arises, I would do something with that. Yeah. Um, you talk about your kids a lot. Um, how have they all adapted to the success and, you know, been agile enough to... Yeah. Well, you know, I said that they were saying to me that, that don't do dragons then. You see, if you ask them now, well, they say, I know my dad would have slayed them dragons. <laughs> I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. <laughs> but for me, one of the most, you know, poignant moments for me about all this was the, the time when BBC came for me at home, and we went to um, Sainsbury's in Clapham Common for the first time to actually see the sauce in, in the racks, like, you know, massive racks, like, and people were, like, going in and bite. And I, I took three of the kids with me to, to, to actually see it with the cameras and everything. And, you know, I'm not a guy that really cries a lot still, but I had to shed a tear then because it, it just shows how far we've come from, from being in the kitchen with it and see the journey where we are at. And, and now, in my restaurant in Battersea, you know, three of them run it there. Zayon, Charlene, and Danai sometimes is there as well, that runs it. My eldest daughter, Bernice, is an accountant, so she helps with all that kind of stuff and all that. And my, my daughter, um, Joanne, is a professional singer. She's the one that sang backing vocals on the Reggae Reggae Sauce song. And she's done all the backing vocals on my, my album, which is just released last week. And my other son is in Manhattan School of Music in America. So, you know, it's all family-led, and, and we're, they've all got their role, role to play within that, within that sort of um, in the web. So, and, and we all enjoy doing that, and, you know, hopefully that will continue that, you know, I can, you know, get the heck out of there and leave them to it when the right time comes. But, um, yeah, I love my kids, and you're right, I talk about them until the cows come home. There's nothing else for me. Um, doing your products in, in the factory rather than doing it in the kitchen has diluted the taste or it's still the same? Well, like we said, 9 million people are not complaining. <laughs> They're loving the sauce as it is. 
But you know, if you really would want to taste the original still as it is, if you can't wait for the carnival, come down to my restaurant in Battersea because we, we still do the hot, hot, hot one day <laughs> itself, yeah. And if you can eat off a, a whole meal of the Levi Rose hot, 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 regular, regular, then you get it free, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Two more questions, go on, I just have a question about uh, the restaurant. Did you get it before or after yeah, actually your company started working well? Well, it was after Dragon's Den. I, I found my house had become like this camping site for, for everybody that wanted to find out about the secret <laughs> recipe. You know, after sauce and things. Like, I'd be waking up like, and they'd be like, people sleeping inside my house and thing. So after Dragon's Den, we decided that I've, I've got to get out from where I was at Brixton. So I was offered this place in Battersea, whereas um, there was a school there. And the school teacher said that these kids really wanted me to come and do some cooking. So we took the place on about six months after Dragon's Den. So we've been there now about two years now, and we do the local school meals from there. My, my kids, they do the cooking for the school meals. And I tell them kids that they're lucky, man, because when I was at school, I was having like jerk chicken and rice and peas and then things there. And them kids are well lucky. <laughs> <laughs> One more. Yes, at the back. Hey, um, I'm really glad you're one of the only people uh, that we've sort of lectured, that, 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 that have lectured us that haven't mentioned anything but an exit strategy, which, which is really good because all everybody's grilling an exit strategy into our heads right now. And can you please agree that it's not the most important thing when you're setting it's up not business? At all. It's, it's not, not at all. Not, not from where we sit. You know, not from where we, we sit. We don't want to get, we want to get in. You know, I think that's it for us. We want to get in, in in everything, you know, and, and learn more. Um, we talked about the mentoring, and if I'm going to leave and leave a message, you know, at all about what I'm saying, it was about the listening thing that I was saying. Because when my life changed around, it was precisely because of that. You know, come on, I didn't do anything special to, 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 um, to be able to bring the sauce from the idea, which was in the head. And, and it was when people were telling me that Levi, the sauce is good, man, every year at the carnival, but let's get it in the shops. It wasn't about that. But it was when I met Nadia, the mentor, you know, my first mentor. And it still resonates now that I have Peter Jones as my mentor now. And the same thing happens now, is that I have to really listen to what Peter is saying to me. Because Peter's been there, he's done it. Remember, Peter's a guy that had huge success when he was younger. He was a millionaire and then he lost everything. His wife left him, he lost everything. He was sleeping in a little room that his workers were coming in, in the daytime and didn't know that's where he slept at night. Peter Jones, the big millionaire you see on TV. So when he tells me about how to avoid the pitfalls of, in business and things, I really have to listen to him. So I can't tell you enough how listening to people, I mean, at the moment, you know, your listeners should be your tutors and your teachers that you really have to listen to. It sounds cheesy, but really is what it's about. Because Nadia was like that, it would, to me, it was like I was in school again, I was in like university or college or whatever institution. <laughs> You want to be. But it was about the fact that when she was saying to me, Levi, man, get your head down to this exhibition and you do that and you take your guitar and your sauce and you go and you be yourself. And I'm thinking, why is this damn not listening to me? I am losing money. <laughs> and I think it was that that really that did it for me. It was the fact that I found someone who I can trust, who I can trust their their work to lead me through, and I listened, and the next was magic. Can I sing the reggae reggae sauce yeah, song? Yeah. 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 Now, this song is, is going to be one of the most, you know, 
expensive songs ever. Because if my company, like I said, you know, it's like an 18 million pound company. If it wasn't for this song, it wouldn't have been the same. So I'm gonna say that this song here, man, this little song that took me like, like 15 minutes to write. <laughs> yeah, it did it for me, it went like this. Put some music in the food for me. Give me that reggae, reggae sauce. Hot reggae, reggae sauce. It's so nice, I had to name it twice. I call it reggae, reggae sauce. Hot reggae, reggae sauce. Just like my baby, it's the perfect delight. It's got some peppers and some herbs and spice. Me want some reggae, reggae sauce. Hot reggae, reggae sauce. It's so nice with your fried chicken. Make burgers finger licking. In your rice and peas or fish, just put some reggae, reggae sauce on your lips. So nice with fish and chips. And in a vegetarian dish. As a marinade or as a dip Love reggae reggae sauce Nice up your lips Reggae reggae sauce Hot reggae reggae sauce It's so nice I had to name it twice When we call it reggae reggae sauce Hot reggae reggae sauce You can eat it with some crackers Steam down with two fat snappers Some okra and some spinners Swimming in some coconut juice In Jamaica's national dish In the ackee and in the salt fish You can have it with what you wish In a Chinese, Japanese, everything well crisp Reggae, reggae sauce At reggae, reggae sauce It's so nice, I had to name it twice I call it reggae, reggae sauce. At reggae, reggae sauce, yeah.